Welcome to a new podcast. I'm William. And I'm Josh. This is brought to you by The Wise Fools. And the name of this podcast is Without Apology. It's a Catholic apologetics podcast about fun stuff. Yeah. Hopefully, mostly, we're going to talk about reputations of atheist rhetoric. Really fun stuff. Stuff that awesome. you're really going to enjoy. Josh, I want to know, who created God? That's what, what we're going to talk about today. What a great question that wasn't planned ahead and that we decided <laughs> just now. It's a good question. Yeah, no. Uh, for the first one, I, I wanted to do something that I could really have fun with, something that I think everyone would enjoy. And uh, who doesn't enjoy the single most common objection to the existence of God? So this is always put forward as some kind of just devastating blow, like some kind of silver bullet, like, oh, yeah, well, well, if everything has a cause, then what caused God? And I guess they just expect the apologist to be like, oh, wow, you can't do that. You can't ask that. Right. Um, when in reality, all it proves is that you haven't actually done your homework. So it's important to give a little bit of context here. Typically, you don't just hear this objection in a vacuum. Uh, it's typically in response to some other argument. Uh, people, what people typically do is they'll say, oh, well, Thomas Aquinas said everything has a cause and well, if everything has a cause, that means the universe has a cause, and if the universe has a cause, that causes God, therefore God exists. And so then the counter to that is, well, if everything has a cause, then what caused God? And let me just... Wait, time out. That, that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Okay, so what caused God is, I would say, a very um, elementary question. It's a very... Right. It's a question everybody asks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when approached, have you ever been approached with this question? Per, me personally, I haven't. I've just, I mean, you've just seen see, it yeah, online. See, I mean, and not even that, you'll see it in... The naysayer trolls. <laughs> well, not even that, you'll see professional um, like philosophers say this. You'll find this in textbooks. And I know it was in Richard Dawkins' The God Delusion, if that's at all still relevant. I don't know. All right, go. Okay, so does God exist? Yeah. Okay, God yeah. exists. Um, and and if God exists, he created everything, right? That's how we're here. Right, the um, ultimate explanation. For, correct. Yeah. But the question that we have now is who created God? If God created everything, who created God, you know? And right. so let's stump you, Josh, who created God. Well, to give a short, simple, sweet, but probably unsatisfying answer would be nothing. God is uncreated. But of course, when you say that, just kind of in a vacuum without any context, it just kind of sounds like you're breaking this rule that you established, namely the rule, everything has a cause. Uh, now, the problem, though, uh, which I was uh, leading up to, is that uh, when people attribute this kind of argument to Aquinas, it's important to point out that Aquinas never actually made that argument. At no point does Aquinas ever base an argument off the principle, everything has a cause. And what's interesting is that uh, typically when you see people use this argument, and whether they attribute it to Aquinas or Aristotle, whoever, uh, you don't ever see a citation. They just kind of say, oh, Aquinas said this, but uh, we're not going to tell you where or whatever. 
And let me just... So this is a quote from W. North Clark. It was, he was a metaphysician. And this was, this was written in 1970. So this was happening all the way then and still going on now. So it says, Let it first be agreed without qualification that if one does admit the principle, everything has a cause, then the refutation is inescapable and devastating. By the very eve of this refutation, if nothing else, should have aroused some suspicions in the minds of its users. One would have thought as to whether their supposed opponents were actually using this principle. So he's saying, look, this is such an, such an obviously flawed argument, something a five-year-old could even refute. It, you, you would be suspicious as to whether or not someone like Aquinas, who most would say is one of the greatest thinkers in the history of human thought, whether he actually even said this. Right. And then he, he goes on to say, and it is in itself a highly suspicious fact that no one among the many in this Hume Russell tradition whom I have read over quotes any specific theistic philosopher who does make use of it. So he's saying, of everyone I've seen who's used this argument, they never actually cite their sources. How interesting. There's so, nothing better than writing a paper and then at the end, like you don't cite anything. Yeah. I've gotten so many. Yeah, that's, that, yeah, that would that would be uh, some points taken off. Right. right. Yeah. Well, supposedly not if uh, not if you're an atheist, you can just kind of <laughs> bend the rules like that. Just chalk it up to nothing. Oh yeah. So yeah, so Aquinas never said that. Aristotle never said that. Leibniz, uh, Leibniz never said that. Man pronouncing these people's names <laughs> um we need to come up with the ne next podcast will be who created these names who created right? these names um and so uh, it, this raises an interesting question which is if this is such an obviously flawed argument for one well where what's the origin because aquinas isn't the origin so it had to come from somewhere and also why do people still use it right as for the first question uh, I don't have any real answer for that. I don't know if it's something that we really do know. We can just say, oh, well, here's the earliest occurrence of it. Some people say, uh, I think Bertrand Russell, but there's even earlier accounts from that. But I don't, I can't speak to that. I don't know where it came from. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to uh, have a, a bad tweet. <laughs> right, right. Um, but it is, regardless of where it came from, it's interesting. It, it is very fascinating that it's still in circulation today. Right. Um, and I would, I would say that, at least for the most part, the reason why people still use it is just that, you know, they learned it from their philosophy professor who learned it from their professor, or they read it in a book, and, you know, it's just kind of... It almost sounds like, you know, it turns into like a telephone game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, where one person would, would say this, and it could have even been said as like a hypothetical, you know hey, what if this is this, you know, and someone heard it and they just kept taking it to where the point right now they're like, oh, this is absolute truth, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a bad rap. Yeah. It's, but it's just even like, even if that is the case where, you know, they just heard it from someone who heard it from someone, we still have the question of, so let's say you're a philosophy student and your professor says this, uh, why is it so unlikely for you to be like, oh, actually, maybe I should look into this. This sounds a little absurd. Yeah. Why, why is that? Um, and I mean, I, I don't, I, we can only speculate. I have my own little, well, my favorite part, kind of like what you're saying right there. It's, it's at, you know, you had these guys that questioned, a, a a thought, a theory, a belief, right. And then you have 
maybe some students that will question them, but they're not allowed to question them. Yeah. You know, you can't question the questioner. Right. Or maybe they're just afraid of like kind of being showed up or whatever. I don't know. Falling on their own sword. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But well, so, but my theory is kind of this. So, uh, I think if you can convince someone that Christians are just the most idiotic people to walk the face of the earth, you can basically attribute anything to us and people will accept it without a second thought. Like if your only theology teacher is Bill Maher, Right. Then, then it would make then it would make sense that you know you're sitting in class and oh well Aquinas said everything has a cause but what caused God and instead of saying oh that sounds a bit suspect you say oh well yeah of course he said that of course I mean he was religious after all I mean what do we expect yeah yeah it's like just yeah it's it's bizarre it's bizarre. Um, but also, I don't, I don't think uh, Bill Maher is fully to blame for this. I'm sure there's also many cases of actual Christians kind of confirming people's biases, like, you know, creationists, for example, or people that deny that evolution is a real thing. Right. Uh, it, it, it's easy. Like, if that was your only exposure, if you were brought up in a household that was like that, and, uh, you know, someone is doubting this theory, which you know, by all accounts seems to me pretty obviously true, uh, then it would make sense that later down the road, like that's just the impression you have. It's just right, first right. impressions. So, so like, you know, we both deal with youth and, and teenagers and stuff like that. Um, you know, and I feel like that's a question that we would get a lot around that age of eighth grade to sophomore year in high mm-hmm. school. It's usually the time when it's like the first time they're able to think for themselves. Right. And they base a lot of it off of like other friends who started thinking for themselves. Right. So you'll get this question of like, but like, how do you know God is real? Yeah. Right? And that, I mean, that, that is certainly a much more legitimate question. And, and, and I, I fall on the easy cop out answer of, you know, well, that's what faith is. Just believing in the un- you know. unknown. Have you ever seen a million dollars? And like, no. And I was like, well, do you think a million dollars doesn't well, you exist? Well, know, you know, that is actually, uh, that's an interesting response because uh, technically speaking, uh, the existence of God, like just having the mere knowledge, that itself is not considered an article of faith. Because, um, actually, oh, I might actually have the, uh, the Summa Theologica open. Pull it up. Um... um No, I lost it. Uh, But anyway, Aquinas talks about how uh, faith, or at least what you would call intellectual faith, um, is believing something on the grounds of divine authority, uh, which makes sense. Like, take, for example, the Trinity. The only reason we know about the Trinity is because we already know that God exists, Jesus rose from the dead, that he's God, that Christianity is true, et cetera, et cetera. And it's because of all of that that we know the Trinity uh, is real. Uh, when it comes to the existence of God, though, if we're saying that faith is believing on the grounds of divine authority, we would have to say that we believe in the existence of divine authority on the grounds of divine authority. So it'd be right, a right. circular argument. Um, so Aquinas likes to make these kind of distinctions. So you have what's called the preambles of faith, and that would uh, that concerns the existence of God. And then after that, you have the motive of credibility. That would be the resurrection, and then you have faith. Okay. So it's kind of like... Uh, like, uh, uh, think of a house where, you know, you have the foundation, the walls, you know, ceiling, and then faith on top of the foundation and all of that. Um, but yeah, and that's, I mean, 
th- I think that's also a point that uh, we really need to stress when talking to people because a lot of people just get just have the impression that uh, we just believe things blindly that uh, you know we were brainwashed we were just told right. what to believe yeah yeah as opposed to no these are things that were thought about we put thought into these things and came to our own conclusion we actually tried right yeah I mean and, and so with that being said. Uh, if if someone wanted to believe that God exists just based off faith, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Right. Um, but like technically speaking, uh, the existence of God is not what you would call an article of faith. Right. The way you, that you would the Trinity. And also the resurrection falls into the that same category. The resurrection is also not an article of faith because then uh, we would basically just be assuming Christianity is true, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, making the that argument. Um, but, I mean, with that being said, then the the next question is, well, how do we know all these things is true? Uh, which I think that, that goes a little bit beyond the scope of this, but uh, there's a number of different ways to know God exists through um, yeah. philosophical arguments, metaphysical demonstrations. Um, so, the, the, you know, the, the brain... Mo- the brain matter slowly creeping down the wall behind me is <laughs> God was never created. And it's a constant, uh, you know, question that I, I bring up when I, when I do struggle in faith and, and stuff like that, it, it's like, how it seems counterintuitive, right? I mean, how, how was he always was <laughs> right? You know, yeah, it's it, like, it's like, uh, I feel like I turn into like a, a Brian Regan little yeah. uh, act where it's like, you know, where was you? Where was you at? You know, and I'm like, I can't understand you, God. Where was yeah, you? I think um, for things like that. And the thing is, all of these sorts of things would really would really be answered in light of an argument for God's existence of, you know, what you would call a metaphysical demonstration or a philosophical proof or what have you. So it's interesting where actually I'd say a lot of things kind of fall in this category where someone raises some kind of objection, but it may not necessarily be in response to an argument. It's just kind of in response to the fact that people believe in God. Yeah. Like I was saying before, Oh, you just believe blindly based off nothing at all. It's like, no, that's actually not true. And Hey, if you want to sit down, if you want to have a dialogue, then I'd be willing to share that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's just something that we need to, we need to stress more, uh, then we're already stressing it. And we being uh, the Catholic apologist, yeah. like any opportunity we have, uh, like when, when I remember watching Catholic answers and someone calls in uh, saying, well, I can't have faith in God just like I can't have faith in Santa. It's like, well, that's great. But well, what do you mean by faith? Do you mean like believing that God exists as a matter of faith? Because that's in fact not a matter of faith. And right. just think about, I mean, you've essentially disarmed them at that point. If if that's what their if that's their argument, that's oh, the basis of their argument. Yeah, it's like yeah. oh, I I can't have faith just like I can't have faith in Santa. Oh, well, that's hey, that's great. Me neither. Right. <laughs> right. Um. Okay, so let me ask you this question then, because you're, you're you're spitting out. This is our first show, mm-hmm. and you're spitting out a lot of crap on like. Yeah, a, a lot of big talk. Yes. Um, and you haven't even used a lot of the big words I've heard you use in the past that I'm just like, uh, 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 what? Um, how how do you explain this, Josh, to somebody that is um, that 
struggles with this, right? But, but yet, yet you can't explain it the way you're reading it and understanding it. You have to explain it the way they'll understand it, right? There's a cool video series on YouTube of um, they'll take like a very uh, either a basic or a complex theory, if you will, like let's say music theory, and they'll explain it to a professional they'll explain it to oh, yeah, like an adult yeah, and then a kid that. and and those videos are really cool so my question to you is how do you explain it to that, get the church to understand because the church as a whole body is not made of these theologians and these apologists yeah that you know yeah. that <clears throat> it's made of people like me right and you know that's really that's the that's the million dollar question because uh, there's it's so, almost like that's harder to answer yeah, no, no, that, than that, God I hon- yeah, yeah I honestly think that's true that is very hard to answer um, because for most people, you really can't just launch into, oh, well, here's the, you know, the metaphysical principles from Thomistic philosophy. Yeah. Oh, well, I should probably explain that first. And then, oh, well, here's how it all comes together. And, um, you know, there are ways of kind of streamlining that to make it more seamless. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, for most people, it is difficult. And that's, so there's a, there's a few different strategies you can take. I think some better than other, but basically, there so you imagine a spectrum where on one end of the spectrum you have like so incredibly simple everyone can understand it at the expense of not being convincing yeah we're on the other end you have if you could understand this this is the greatest argument you know since sliced bread but what's the point if no one can understand it so you have to find the balance between those two and you know people it seems to me, at least in uh, like the popular contemporary apologetics, people go more toward the former side, the more simple arguments. Right. Uh, which, you know, I think they do, you know, a ton of good. I'm sure they get emails all the time about, oh, you helped me convert, and that's great. I'm not, I'm not bashing that, but it seems to me like they've swung the pendulum too far in that direction, and it needs to come back a little bit. Like it, because the arguments they use, and here's, well, so here's the thing: an apologist is not meant to convert people. An apologist is meant to defend the faith, right? Is meant to defend of the, like the questions that we have that we don't necessarily understand the answers to. The apologist is there to supposed to make sense of it all, right? Right. There's 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 no way that an apologist could compel someone to make an act of the will to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Uh, I think, well, there's a, there's a distinction to be made between what you would call negative and positive, uh, negative and positive apologetics, where negative is like answering objections and then positive is making the case for theism. And that would be the right. preamble of faith motive of credibility, like gotcha. I said before. But yeah, no, it does, uh, it does take in, uh, an act of the will to follow Jesus. I mean, even if you, you even if you, even if you know intellectually Jesus rose from the dead, uh, the demons know that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so there's a distinction to be made there. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it is like what you're saying. It is more difficult than the question of, uh, you know, what caused God because yeah. it's, it's really something and it, it has to be almost like a case by case basis. It's like you have to know someone first before you can know where they're at and what right. they're going to find convincing. And, you know, there's there's a million different ways to go about it. Uh, typically what people do, the, they use what's called a cumulative strategy, which is basically where you'll have 5 to 20 arguments where each argument takes like three minutes to regurgitate. 
and then the hopes is that each one is kind a little convincing on their own but then together they're like really convincing that's that's what you see mostly in popular apologetics like peter kraft does that yeah um that sounds chaotic yeah no i i really don't like it uh because here's the thing actually this is i struggle uh, explaining what advent is in three minutes <laughs> yeah right and the thing is that we'll think about this uh if you so these the are the arguments that they use they take like three minutes to go through if you could tell me that you could answer the ultimate question in three minutes i think that's more suspicious than having a longer argument yeah you know and it just turns into rhetoric and talking points you right know? And, the, and the thing is maybe i mean i sure i mean i know people find those things convincing but i don't you yeah know? and i know many people that don't so what i like to do instead i i like to use one argument and really the duration of the argument is determined by the personality of my opponent because a lot of it a lot of the principles used are very commonsensical uh but you can doubt anything if you try hard enough. Like if I, if I made an argument based off the premise that we don't live in the matrix, then someone's going to say, Oh, well, what if we live in the matrix? You know? So, <laughs> yeah, but not everyone's going to be like that. So really it's, it's determined that way. It's, it's, it's like, um, um, defining a word, but using the word in the de definition, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. like what does running mean? It means, it means to run, you know? <laughs> and you're like, well, I don't know what it means. Yeah. Uh, so it, yeah. And yeah, I mean, that really is, difficult and uh to have a convincing argument but an argument that everyone can you know understand i think it can be done though um you know yeah. you just have to keep trying let's see i had some other stuff here oh i have uh this great analogy so as we already established the question of what caused god uh is really it's more of a non-objection it's an objection to an argument that doesn't exist and I had this great analogy uh, to say what caused God is like the atheist equivalent of saying, if we came from monkeys, then why are there still monkeys? Yeah. <laughs> because in both cases, you have an objection coming from a place of misunderstanding because anyone that, you know, knows about evolution knows that it's not a very good objection. Just like anyone that knows Aquinas knows that that's not a very good objection. Yeah, true. Um, so, Yeah. That's it. So That's good. So God was not created. God was not created. God just was. Correct. I like it. Yeah. Well, Josh, thanks for taking the time to sit and enlighten me and everybody else listening. Yeah. Um, it's useful. For the wise fools, this is Without Apology, a Catholic apologetics podcast where one guy kind of knows his stuff and the other guy doesn't. <laughs> Josh, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, thanks for having We're me. We're doing this again. Yeah. Legit. This was good. I, I had a lot of fun. I'm so happy to have these kind of conversations. I think it's important to have, and I think people are really hungry for this kind of thing. I think they really don't get it anywhere else. Awesome. Well, dude, we're going to give it to them. So <laughs> maybe every other week yeah this podcast will come out uh we'll find a good day to come out with it um and we're gonna test the waters with it so um shout out to your brother uh yeah. john yeah, we're we, using his uh samples and beats right now yeah literally i came over and he's like josh we need intro music can we and i was like oh well can we use like copyrighted music no we can't use copyrighted oh well <laughs> let's use my brother john uh so hey john if you're listening can we use your song i hope that's okay 
John, for using your songs. I've asked yeah, you in the I, past. You said it was okay. I, I asked you as a, uh, as a courtesy, but we're, we're using it. Awesome. Josh, we're out. Peace. Peace.